Let's open up our Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26. Again, as we make our way through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, in a systematic survey of the entire scriptures. Proverbs 26. Wisdom to know how to live. Here we go. 26 verse 1. As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Uh, this proverb is about you know, giving somebody prominence and authority and responsibility who, well, is a fool. And you know, the analogy there uh, is snow in summer, rain in harvest. You know, there are times when I'm really hot in those hot, humid days where I'd really love a snowball, but that's not, the, that's not what it's saying. It's saying, you know, blanket everything with snow during the summertime would kill everything. And uh, then when it's all got to come in during harvest time, uh, you know, a big rainstorm makes it all lay down, gets wet, starts to go bad. So uh, honor, not fitting for a fool, um, you know, putting a, uh, giving somebody who's a, a fool uh, authority and responsibility is just bad. Um, it, it's, you know, some people just don't, uh, don't handle that well. And um, so, uh, you know, Solomon, I'm sure, uh, had a lot of experience with that, uh, giving people, the, you know, the, the, seeing the wrong people, giving honor. It just warns us against it. Verse 2, like a flitting sparrow or a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alike. It's not a light. Um, the, uh, you know, we're kind of some bird watchers at our house. We've got a bird feeder in front of our windows, big windows in front. And we set it up just so we could watch the birds. You know, I love watching little golden finches come in. We've got some uh, woodpeckers, little downy woodpeckers and hairy woodpeckers. We actually got, I think, a large pileated woodpecker that comes in, in the neighborhood somewhere. He shows up once a year or twice a year. Uh, I love watching them. Uh, but one thing they don't do is I, if I stand outside, they don't show up. They don't land on me, you know, because they just, they're just afraid of me. And... Uh, um, that's that's the analogy here. So a curse shall not alight. You know, we're not supposed to live superstitious lives as believers. Um, and the the uh, idea here is that, you know, we're free. Um, the person who's managing us, you know, God, the Father, Jesus in heaven, the Holy Spirit, three people of the Trinity, they have all authority. And they're in charge of our lives now. And they're managing things. And so people who are... Uh, dealing in superstitious curses and stuff like that, it's meaningless. It has no power, no authority in our lives, and so we don't need to be afraid of them. And so we're free from all that superstitious stuff, totally free from it. Um, uh, Verse 3, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whether, you know, did you catch that? Verse 4 and 5, that kind of reversed itself right away there. And um, um, it's talking about a fool, obviously. Um, there's more said here. Let's go down to, um, well, let's just try to explain those two verses. Um, uh, you know, it says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, a rod for the fool's back. Um, you know, to get the horse to do what you need it to do, um, you know, you got you seen the jockeys. They get the horse to go faster. They got the little whip, um, and and then it says a bridle for the donkey. You know, the only way to get the donkey to do what you want it to do, put the bridle in the mouth. You pull it. It's got pain on that side, so it goes that way. And the only way to get a fool 
to, to do what needs to be done is to threaten him with, uh, you know, punishment. And so uh, that's what that's about. Uh, do not, and it says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And then it repeats this, but in the, in the inverse, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Um, the, the difference there between verse 4 and 5 is, is the last part of each verse. Um, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him, means that when you get into a place where um, you're having an exchange with somebody who would be called a fool, don't go down to their level. Don't um, start engaging in the same kind of verbiage that they would do, name-calling, you know, uh, the language they're using. Don't do it, uh, lest you be like him is the idea. But, verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. In other words, don't let your silence then, don't let silence then uh, somehow imply that you think he's right or agree with him. Um, Speak in a manner that will allow him the opportunity to understand uh, and to others see others for others to see that you don't agree and uh, that you are are not agreeing with him as a fool so that's what that means uh, answer a fool let's see verse 6 then he he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence um, again giving um a fool, somebody who could be called a fool, an important message or an important communication authority and responsibility is just, you've seen it, you know, over and over again um, in this world that's communication heavy. Uh, you know, they actually have a college degree, communications. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean somebody has a communication degree, it doesn't mean they're not a fool. And um, corporations and, and, and organizations are always looking for somebody to communicate their heart and what they really mean. And you know how bad it is when somebody misrepresents you. Well, uh, that's what it's saying here. Don't put a fool out there as someone who's, who's delivering an important message. Um, you know, how, how important then is that, um, that the message represent the heart of what's being said? You know, and it's easy to pull that then into the New Testament in the gospel, Right? Because uh, you've seen people uh, really uh, do a lot more damage than good uh, by really poor representation of the heart of God in a in in well you know in in saying that they're for Him like you know the the the, the Christian organizations that are out there saying you know this hate and that hate and. And there's a church out there that the, um, in the larger you know venue of the whole nation that's that's got a bad reputation for coming out against you know uh, soldiers and really vocal against um, uh, homosexuality in, in just vile ways. It's not that we're promoting homosexuality, we're not. But but they make the news with ways of presenting the gospel uh, and, and you know totally misrepresenting the Lord. And so uh, um, when, we, when, it, when we take this and, and bring it into the New Testament, um, how important it is to represent the Lord's heart when we talk to people about their true condition and that they need to be saved. Um, so uh, verse 7, like the legs of the lame, 
that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools, uh, giving wisdom to somebody who's rejecting it, because that's what a fool is. A fool is somebody who's, who's, re- who's rejected truth already. And so for you to go and start to dispense wisdom or for, you know, put proverbs in their, in, in, into their mouth, it just, well, the legs of a lame that hang limp. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it's not, it's not working. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. You know, a sling, the, the uh, you know, battlefield rifle of, of this time was the sling. Um, a couple of leather straps with a pouch, and they, you can hold it in one, one, one of those straps between your fingers, put a good-sized stone in there, and then whip that thing around, get some good velocity, and let go of one of those straps. And that, thing, that rock would take off far, faster than you could ever throw it by, by hand. And it really was a deadly instrument. Uh, but you, you wouldn't take that stone and put it in the sling and then just wrap it up in duct, duct tape, you know. Because then you let go of it and that thing's coming back at you. <laughs> and uh, so give honor to a fool that way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back and bite you is the idea. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. A thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard. Um, uh, you know, a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard. How did that happen? Well, uh, you know, he's in a place where he's got thorns in his hands. Uh, so he did something, he, you know, he shouldn't have done, but he's drunk. And so he's probably not going to learn anything from that. And so that's the idea of the proverb. The proverb is useless to a fool. Not learning anything there. And then verse 10, verse 10 is interesting. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. Now, some of you have other translations. Verse 10 probably says something very different, and here's why. The language there is very difficult to understand, and the reality is no one really knows what verse 10 means. Now, you know, actually, that's kind of refreshing. <laughs> um, find something, you just, we just don't know what verse 10 uh, uh, means. Nobody knows. So there you go. Let's go on to verse 11. Uh, uh, well, this one's really clear. As a dog returns to his own vomit, yuck, so a fool repeats his, vol- repeats his folly. Um, you know, this is quoted by Peter in the New Testament, the book of Second Peter, chapter 2. The idea is um, if you get a dog, I got a dog. And uh, one of the most repulsive things that the dog does because if you have a dog you'd like your dog to open lick you and stuff like that until you see that dog throw up and then before you get a chance to go clean up that the pile it's bad enough but to get over there and see little fido licking that barf up again don't lick me dog just go away um so the image here is that it made you sick the first time why would you go back to it again? It's just going to make you sick again. And, and you know, that's, um, take it into a spiritual life, because that, that, that's the wisdom that's being given to, given to us. You know, we get saved out of sin, and that sin was destroying us. And we, we, we repented of it, we got it out of our life, we got done with it, and then after a while, somehow, in a, in a you know, uh, misguided judgments in a, in a sinful state, whatever, you know, darkened state, they think, oh, I can go back to that, and it's harmless. No, 
It destroyed you, almost destroyed you once. It's only going to destroy you again if you go back to it. So, um, you know, it, it made you sick once. It's not going to help you out the second time. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Well, we just got done putting that fool down at a really low level. And we think we're looking at the bottom of the barrel, and he says, nope. There's a lower condition than that, and that is somebody who is wise in their own eyes. There's more hope for a fool than for him. Why is that? Why is this person who's wise in his own eyes worse off than a fool? Because wise in his own eyes sees no need for instruction. And, uh, you know, that's, um, you know, the fool got a bad hammering here in these last few verses, but... um, Someone who sees no need for instruction in his own life um, is worse off um, because they cannot be taught. Um, they, they cannot receive anything. They can't receive anything that disagrees with what they have settled on. Um, you know, he, here's the reality. We, we all, you, me, everybody, we all have blind spots. We all have ways in which we don't see clearly. And that's not too hard to come to uh, as a conclusion, I mean, for the most part, we can see, you know, the sin that's, that would be really destructive to social forms. You know, we don't go out and rob banks and, and engage in illicit, you know, immoral behavior. That's easy to spot for the most part, right? But what about the more subtler forms of pride and self-promotion, self-worship? Can, you, can we see those clearly? You know, I... I know that I'm blind in those spots. You know, I dare say we all are. And so, you know, that ought to, that ought to in, um, uh, keep us as people who can be taught, make us um, meek when it comes to instruction. We're ready to hear. Because if, if we can't see it, that means we're blind. Does that bother you at all that you're blind to sin in some ways? I find that very disturbing about myself, and, and I think you ought to find it very disturbing. Not about me, but about you. <laughs> and so the person who is wise in his own eyes no longer can be taught. And that, that should not be said about us as Christians, really. As Christians, we are people who need to embrace instruction and change in the reality that I'm not okay the way I am. I, the Lord is changing me. Praise the Lord. So, um, you know, in my own life, um, I've come to the conclusion that, um, you know, I'm very, very slow to understand my own life. Now, when it comes to your life, I can, you know, I can see clearly about the things that you are doing wrong and right and decisions. I think we're pretty good at that. You know, we tend to be pretty good at diagnosing other people's lives, but we're very slow when it comes to our own lives. You know, in my own life, I think there's about a 10-year lag between something that happens and the time I understand it. And um, so uh, we just need to approach life with, with meekness and humility and say, I don't know everything. And so um, remain humble, remain teachable. I've got a long way to go. I'm very far from the goal. That's what I think what this, this proverb is, is laying out for us. Don't be like the man, the person who is wise in his own eyes. 
the lazy man, and the lazy man also gets um, a thorough chastising here in Proverbs as the scriptures speak very greatly about the sin of laziness. The lazy man says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. Now, there aren't any lions in the road at David's time or anybody's time or Solomon's time. There's no fierce lions in the streets. But it's possible that one might have wandered into town. (laughs) And so the idea here is that the lazy man has got every conceivable excuse that he is rationalizing and justifying why he can't do anything. And um, so um, it says, as a door, and if that's not bad enough, verse 14, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a lazy man on his bed. You know, it's just, you just see that door, just flop, 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 like a door. It's just opening and closing. It's not going anywhere. So is the lazy person on their bed. They're not doing anything. And it gets worse than that, though. We're going to verse 15. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. Got his bowl of whatever, mashed potatoes, Cheerios, whatever. He wearies him to bring his, it back to his mouth. Wow, that's lazy. Uh, you know, I get my hand in that bowl. Ugh. Somebody feed me. Um, That's lazy. But, verse 16, the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. I think the seven men, the word, you know, the seven there I think is is significant. You know, seven plays an important part in the scriptures. Uh, There's lots of things that are very significant, repeated with the number seven. Seven's kind of a, a perfect cycle kind of thing. And so the idea here is you've got seven guys. They are loaded with wisdom. You know, they can answer anything. But against the one lazy man, the lazy man is going to vote for himself. And, uh, you know, again, he's, he's unteachable in his laziness. And he's proud about it. And, um, you know, the scriptures warn us to not be like that. Don't be lazy. He who passes by, verse 17, and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Well, the dog is kind of serving as our example tonight. And uh, um, here's another one. You, you know, I, you got your fluffy little dog at home, whatever dog. You ever picked him up by the ears? I don't, you know, I don't care what kind of a meek and mild barka lounger you might have. Try picking him up by the ears. You'll get bit. Um, you know, the, the idea here, here is that there's something going on which doesn't pertain to you in the least. Now, we're not talking about uh, things that, that happen around us that move us to action, where there's injustices, there's um, offenses being, being going on, and we can take an action and, and, and serve, a, serve a much larger purpose in it. You know, maybe, maybe the Lord needs us to act in, in behalf of somebody, um, even though they're not related to us. That's not saying that. It's saying there's something going on, a conversation, a quarrel has nothing in, in any relation to you at all, but you, you, know, you just kind of stand by and you listen and you, you just, you're moved to go in there and throw in your two cents. Don't do it. Um, passes by, meddles in his quarrel, he's not his own. 
um, you're going to end up with some teeth marks on you. <laughs> like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. How'd you like that for a neighbor? Um, is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. The idea is, is you've got somebody who lives nearby, someone with whom you have associations in your life, who uh, is deceiving somebody, and then when they get busted, when it all gets exposed, they flee to the, the rationalization, I was just having fun. It was just a game I'm playing. I, you know, don't take it so seriously. Um, um, you know, the scripture says we're supposed to be uh, wise as serpents, but only harmless as doves. And so this person you don't want to have relationships with. And it's okay to not have a relationship with them. It's okay to, you know, draw some lines around and say, I don't want your bad news. I, I don't want to have any relationship with you. You've got some really bad character traits that cause a lot of pain. And, and I, I'm not going to have a relationship with, with that person in any form that's going to expose me to that. It's okay to do that. Verse 20, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. And the next couple of verses deal a lot with gossip. Um, you know, the kind of, of talk that pe- pits people against one another. Um, as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle, to kindle strife. Um, gossip is very painful to deal with and um, very rampant in our society. Boy, as whole industries live off of gossip. And uh, if there's any, you know, when we come into the body of Christ, we need to dispense with that and, and not be entertained by it, not engage in it in any form in our life, uh, or, or put up with it from other people who are brothers and sisters in the Lord when they want to see that happening. You know, it's okay to say, hey, I, you know, I think that's gossip, and, and I think with that conversation needs to be turned in a different direction. Because, um, you know, really, uh, like it says here, the words of a tail bearer are like tasty trifles, Think about your favorite boxed candy, you know, and then the dark chocolate with the nuts, and oh, yummy, I love those, and they just go right down. I can eat all of those out of the box when I open it up. And they go down into the inmost body, the words of a talebearer. You know, that's the problem with gossip is because, you know, we always talk about you can't unsay anything. Well, you can't unhear that stuff either. It, it gets processed. It's very difficult to get that stuff out of our minds. And so just don't listen to it. When it starts to come up, just you know, excuse yourself from the conversation if you have to. If you're amongst you know, people who aren't believers and they're gossiping, just don't go there. Stay away from it. You know, I, I wish I didn't know is, is the phrase that goes with this, um, goes with this proverb. So just don't listen. Verse 23, fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Wickedness just beneath the surface. Uh, you can take your terracotta pots that you're you know, getting ready to put away for, for oh, winter, 
And, uh, you know, even if you cover them with silver, they're still just ter- terracotta pots. And um, that's the idea here. There's, there's somebody who they speak with, with what sounds really good, but uh, wickedness just beneath the surface. It says more about it in verse 24. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. You know, what's, what's really going on inside eventually is going to come out. You know, it might be a moment or two or in this you know, venue for a couple minutes, somebody might be able to say the right thing and, and, and appear to be uh, something that they're not, but eventually what's in our heart comes out. And I heard a good, a good analogy, our hearts are like jars that we carry around, and eventually somebody's going to bump you, and what's inside comes out. And um, so, you know, the New Testament puts it this way, Jesus put it this way, of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, um, you know, there might be, might be this and that said that's, that conceals what's, what, you know, for a moment, but eventually you can't, you can't hide that. Um, eventually it all comes out. Verse 27, whoever digs a pit, the idea is to trap somebody, will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. Uh, Don't plot evil on people um, is the idea of this proverb. You know, the the scriptural example and probably uh, the uber example is Haman in the book of Esther, right? Uh, He's somebody who plotted evil against uh, Mordecai, a Jew, and then all the Jews. And, of course, that uh, story goes with him building, you know, gigantic gallows to make a spectacle out of his hatred, Haman's hatred for Mordecai and killing Mordecai. But, of course, the Lord uh, has the final say-so in these things. And that's what the proverb says here. Um, And that Mordecai, uh, excuse me, Haman, you know, we call it poetic justice, gets gets hung on his own gallows. And, um, you know, uh, the, the... the shrewdest plans of, plans of men, most concealed plans of men are still open to the Lord. And so um, uh, don't plot evil against people is the wisdom for us out of that proverb. A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it and um, all and a flattering mouth works ruin. Again, all lying is condemned in the scriptures, all of it. There's no such thing as a white lie, um, a little white lie. Um, they're not white. They're black. <laughs> they're, they're dark. And um, so all lying is condemned in scriptures. Um, verse, chapter 27, verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Um, no one is guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, we like to make straight line extrapolations of how life is going to go, but we live in a nonlinear world. <laughs> and uh, lots of people, um, as I heard one commentator say, uh, lots of people get up and 
tie their shoes on in the morning in the corner, unties them at night. And um, uh, so we don't, we don't, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, we're not guaranteed anything. The, the New Testament, James chapter four, uh, goes and says this very thing. It says. Uh, um, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So, uh, again, um, no one's guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, And you know, that, that... Again, when we bring that into a spiritual uh, interpretation also, you know, uh, that's why the scripture says today is the day of salvation. You don't know, no one knows when they are going to hear the gospel again and have that moment of clear understanding where they can make that choice again. And so we urge people to don't put off that decision to receive Jesus. You don't know what tomorrow is going to do or if it's going to be here for you tomorrow. We don't have, another, may not have another opportunity to receive the Lord. Let another man praise you, verse 2, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Uh, we would put it this way. Don't toot your own horn. Um, we're going to see this a couple of times uh, in some other verses. Um, you know, uh, bragging and self-promotion. You know, in my day of growing up, uh, that was always looked upon as um, something very unbecoming to character. But today it seems like, you know, that gets your reality TV show. Um, I mean, the worse you are at that, you know, the better chance you are of high ratings. So, again, um, the culture is just going in the wrong direction on many many of these proverbs. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty. Yeah, sounds like some heavy, unfortunate landscaping business going on there. You know, get yourself a wheelbarrow, get yourself uh, a skid steer. The idea is a fool's wrath is heavier than both, um, than both of them. Um, a fool's wrath, okay, let's think about that, fool's wrath. A fool's wrath is probably very misguided. And it's, it's anchored in his foolish understanding, right? So the idea here is don't take it personal. Um, you, you know, consider the source. You've heard that? Okay. Don't let it get to you. Don't, don't give it weight. The fool's going to rage against you. That's okay, you know. Again, we'll see this uh, later on also in some ways. Wrath is cruel. And, and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Uh, wrath is cruel and anger a torrent because they come and go. There's a start and there's a stop. But uh, jealousy is constant, is, is the, the idea here. Um, so uh, jealousy, um, jealousy is bad news. Um, and um, jealousy is just born out of insecurity. And insecurity uh, rests in our identity, right? I mean, we just don't know who we are, and so we're insecure. 
therefore we're jealous. And so uh, when we come to Jesus Christ and we settle all that, um, our identity, boy, a lot of that, a lot of that jealousy and all that insecurity can just wonderfully just evaporate. Um, verse 5 and 6, uh, um, you know, the Proverbs have a lot to say about the value of friendship and the true value, the, the immense wealth of a friend in the Lord who is open and honest with you, with whom you can trust, and uh, who is uh, who loves you and, and in the Lord. He says, and it's starting to talk about this in these Proverbs, says, open rebuke is better than love, carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Um, you know, I think uh, ultimately the, the ultimate kiss of an enemy that's deceitful, of course, you could think of Judas Iscariot, who, you know, uh, betrayed the Lord with a kiss of all the um, ironic um, placements of, of false affection. Um, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Open rebuke is better. You know, how valuable it is and how needful it is to have open relationships in the body of Christ, people you can trust, who, who can in a, in a time when, when uh, you know, you need some help, you need some clarity, you can go to and say, you know, I just don't understand this. And they might be able to say, well, here's, here's what it is. And they're willing to step into your life with clarity that might be painful. You're doing this wrong. This is, this is sinful, and, and, and that's what the problem is. Um, it's far better to have that than uh, um, love carefully concealed. Somebody might love you, but if they don't show it, you know, and, and it's never expressed, what good is that? So open rebuke, the friend in the body of Christ. A satisfied soul, a satisfied soul loathes a honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Um, you know, you know. Again, I see this. Yes, this is a, this is a, an analogy that we can grasp in the material world about honey. And you know, I, after Thanksgiving, you know, I've had too much of everything. Four pieces of pie. I'm, you know, I don't need another piece of pie. I love pecan pie, but at that point, you put put a piece of pecan pie in front of, in front of me. I might just pass it up, maybe. Um, but the idea there is is that uh, someone who is hungry, not for food, but for truth, for spiritual realities, you can tell them the truth. That somebody else who considers themselves Already in the truth, remember the man who was wise in his own eyes? Um, he won't hear that because he's already full. He's already got it all figured out. And so um, to the hungry soul, someone, someone wanting truth, boy, you can tell them, here's the reality. You're a sinner. You've violated every purpose for which God has put you on earth. The law, you have broken it. And there's a penalty to pay. Now, that's, that strikes against our pride, doesn't it? For somebody who's got a lot of pride going on and, and is that wise man, they're not going to want to hear that. I don't, I don't want to hear that. But the person who's now been broken of that pride, the, uh, the hungry soul, you can tell them that and then they'll receive that. And that will lead them then to the, 
the good news. That's what gospel means, good news, right? A good spell, that's where that comes from. That your sin problem has been taken care of. Jesus came to earth as God's son and savior, died on the cross for your sin, taking, his, taking your sin and his body and paid for it on that cross. And that God raised him from the dead after three days to prove that that is completely paid for. And a free gift of salvation now. That person is hungry for that then. It can be received by anybody. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his own place or from his place. Um, the Proverbs here is, uh, you know, somebody who's um, got what they are looking for right under their nose, but they're not content with it. And so, you know, I think the Proverbs got that, um, got that is, is the fool's eyes are on the end of the earth. Um, you know, the 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 true blessings in life are on the, the average, ordinary, day-in and day-out routines of family and friends and church. Um, it's not in the spectacular out there. And, and boy, is our, is our culture ever saturated and hungry for a new experience that's out there? Something fascinating to do, you know? So they strap on these wingsuits and jump off mountains and try to thread the needle between those two peaks and uh, the big thing, the big uh, uh, glamour thing to do these days is to go climb Mount Everest. You know, that was a very extreme thing in my days, only a few people. Now, you know, hundreds of people trying to get up there every year. And uh, you, ever, you ever want a commentary on human nature, just check that out. You know, those base camps have become dumps of trash that people bring up there. Trash and also dead bodies. <laughs> People die going up there, and they serve, those bodies serve as markers on how to get to the top now. Unfortunately, you came to Bible study to hear that, didn't you, tonight? <clears throat> uh, the idea here is that um, life is found in ordinary things. It's not found in the glamorous thing that's out there. It's right here, right now. It's what you have. Great value in the ordinary daily routines Verse 9, ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Um, uh, You know, uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes uh, in here um, talks about uh, as a guy who had um, availability to do everything. He had the power, he had the availability, he had the wealth, the resources to go to anything and everything, and he did. He went and did it all. He was, you know, uh, a builder, he was a partier, he was everything. And at the end, what he says is, fear God, keep his commandments. Um, um, And so he says, you know, the true value here is found in a friend, gives delight by hearty counsel. You know, you know we have um, times in our life where, um, you know, uh, we have very powerful scent, memory triggers tied to scents, things we smell. And, and perfumes and those things, very expensive, can, you know, people wear them to make, oh, you smell so good, that kind of stuff. He says, better than all of that 
is just a friend, is who is willing to speak the truth to you. Uh, do not forsake your own friend, nor your father's friend, nor go, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Cherish those good close friends that are nearby. Um, stay attentive to friendships. Um, you know, in, in our fragmented uh, society and family structures, families can be across the country. And um, that's, a, that's a very real thing in most people's lives. Um, you know, keep your friends, stay current with your friends and your relationships because when things happen and go bad, family across the country may not be available. And so friends that are right here are far, far more valuable. Um, my son, verse 11, my son, be wise. And take a drink of water. <clears throat> and uh, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. Again, talking to a son, a child, a parent talking to a child, says, make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. What's the reproach? Well, uh, it's somebody who says something like, uh, what business do you have? How narrow-minded it is of you? How abusive is it of you to raise your child with uh, religious, you know, your religious, narrow-minded, bigoted, uh, uh, you know, precepts. You're, he should be free to choose whatever he wants. You know, I think that's loaded into the UN rights of a child. Uh, okay, that's the reproach. The, the, the end of it, it, the parent is saying, um, when you get older and you stay with the Lord, that's a huge rebuke to that reproach that occurred earlier in life. And, uh, you know, that does go a long ways, doesn't it, to, uh, to, towards that. A child who, uh, who grows up has a, a stable, prosperous, godly life. Wow, what a, what a demonstration of the value of walking with the Lord, right? Um, it really disarms a lot of that. Um, you know, and that's, that's one of the uh, great things of, of seeing kids get old in the Lord and grow up and see that um, happen for, for them. It reflects on mom and dad in some ways. Now, mom and dad are not responsible for those kids' choices, yet there is a bit of reflection there. Verse 12, a, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. This, this is exactly what was said in chapter 22, verse 3. Um, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the but the simple pass on or punished. Why is it repeated? Well, some things need to be said twice and a couple of times. Um, so, you know, this can, be, this can be applied in so many different ways in our lives. Um, um, prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. Foresees evil, you know, that's kind of loaded with the idea that you can tell the difference between right and wrong. And that's what spiritual understanding and wisdom will do for us. We'll see... If I engage in that sin, sin only comes to kill, and you know, Satan only comes to kill, destroy, and rob, and sin is destructive. People engaging in that behavior, it's going to end badly. And so the spiritual person says, this, this is not a good course, it's going to end badly, I'm going to stay away from it. Simple pass on or punished. 
Verse 13, take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. Um, uh, you know, exposing yourself to uh, someone who is um, lacking judgment. Um, it's just financial wreckage, possibly. You know, don't expose yourself to it. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Six o'clock in the morning on your door, 4.35. Hey, neighbor, good morning. Well, I wanted to tell you what a great neighbor you are this morning, and I just wanted to recount to you all the ways in which we, we are just so blessed to have you. Okay, I don't want that at five o'clock in the morning either. Go away. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning to him, he counted a curse to him. It's, it's good intentions. Good intentions done at the wrong time are the wrong thing. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Um, a continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman. Um, you know, Proverbs has a lot to say about her. She needs to get saved. Um, uh, a continual dripping on a very rainy day. Nobody likes that. You know, it's raining. You want to stay in and stay dry. And it's just wet spots there. Yuck. Um, you know, if anybody had this coming to him, though, it was Solomon. 700 wives, Solomon. Really? 300 concubines? What were you thinking? You, you... Sorry, pal. You did it to yourself. <laughs> That's what I say. Um um, so, you know, uh, a contentious woman is one who is never happy, never happy. And she doesn't know that her happiness, her unhappiness is internal and is a spiritual matter. Um, it's always somebody else's fault. And, uh, so nothing will make her happy because she's never dr- addressing the problem of her own spiritual need because that's what's driving her, but she's never dealing with it. Verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Here's our good friend, Ben. Wow, what a refreshing, uh, what a refreshing guy to show up after a contentious woman. <laughs> we like this guy. Um, uh, he is good news, and we love having him around. He, he's the guy who you love being around. Um, you know, uh, in, in my garage, I, do, I, I use some, some sharp blades once in a while and doing some woodworking. Uh, you cut yourself a lot faster and have to work a lot harder with a dull blade uh, than you would with something that's super sharp, uh, you know. And um, that's why, you know, the, the chefs always sharpening their knives. They don't go over there and hammer it on the bricks and then try to cut stuff. Um, the idea is here, um, a good friend is going to lead you forward in the Lord in ways that are extremely valuable. And that's going to happen through his, his wisdom, through your wisdom in another person's life, through their wisdom in your life, their own discernment, their own being gifted and, and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. We want that in our lives. Verse 18, whoever keeps the fig tree um, will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. Uh, rewarding and talking very positively about industrious labor. Again, the opposite of our lazy guy who wouldn't, couldn't get his Cheerios up to his face. Um, 
as water, verse 19, as in water, face reflects face, so a man heart, a man's heart reveals the man. Again, we already spoke about this a bit. Um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, you want to see what somebody's really like. See what they say, you know, record those conversations. Um, that's why, I, you know, I'm always fascinated that, that people would, on the NFL things, they're mic'd up and you can hear them all day. Uh, you know, uh, you can really find out a lot about that guy, what he says and what, he, what he's doing. A man's heart reveals the man. Um, verse 20, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Um, he's a very significant and very powerful illusion of spiritual realities to talk about covetousness in people. Hell and destruction are never full. Um, they're never going to hang a sign of no occupancy over the front door of hell. Um, there's always room for more. And uh, um, that's a terrible reality that needs to sink into our minds, a spiritual reality. But it's used as an illustration here. Um, covetousness. A life dominated um, by the desire for more and more, um, you know, and it works it out. It works out in a material way um, that there's always a desire for more and more and more material things. But the problem is that's not going to work because ultimately covetousness is a spiritual problem. Covetousness, the, the New Testament says, any man who's a, who's covetousness who is an idolater, it says that, talking about covetousness. Uh, covetousness is to try to satisfy that spiritual vacuum with material things. And so there's constantly a longing for more and more and more. But it's never going to work because that's a material thing and this is a spiritual thing. So um, covetous eyes of men are never satisfied. Verse 21, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, and a man is valued by what others say of him. Well, this is, um, you know, we, we talked about this uh, a little bit. We touched on it. Where does it say that again? Well, here we go. Um, a man is valued by what others say of him. Uh, it's not what you say about yourself that matters. It's what others think of you, and what they think of you, they will say about you. And so uh, let others praise you and not yourself. Um, you, you know, you find out about that. You see that on example. You see that in, in play and eulogies. To eulogize somebody, that's what it literally means, to speak well of. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. He's foolish right down to the bone, uh, you know, all the way through and through. Uh, beauty is skin deep, but foolishness goes all the way to the bone. Um, no matter, you know, the idea there is, is you're never going to get out of him. Okay, but here's the good news. The Lord is always willing and has the power to change anybody who's willing to come to him and, and, and admit their need. Um, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit and through his, the work of his word, 
a fool can be changed. And uh, so, you know, with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Verse 23, be diligent, again, here's a bunch of verses about um, the value of industrious labor. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass sows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. Diligence leads to a harvest. Life lessons from ranching, you know. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food and for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. Um, um, Labor has its rewards. And laziness, again, this is the flip side of the lazy guy. The guy wouldn't go out into the street because... The hypothetical lion is out there, uh, got an excuse to not work. Uh, this person is seeing that there is going to be needs, and so they're working hard. Um, let's go a little bit into verse in chapter 28. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Um, you experience this when you are on the freeway and you're going over the speed limit. I know that's not you. It's the ushers, right? Um, I always rip on the ushers. Love them. Uh, they don't mind me using them as, as, as examples. At least I hope they don't. Um, uh, the wicked flee when no one pursues. I'm not saying the ushers are wicked. Um, but you get on the freeway and you, you're fine with, you know, you're, you're fine driving 55 or 65, whatever the speed limit is, and then you get over the speed limit and you start wondering if there's somebody on the radar you know, up in front of you, you're looking because you've got a guilty conscience. You know you're not supposed to be speeding. Um, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Fear arises from a guilty conscience. Uh, but the flip side of that is the righteous are freed from a guilty conscience, having found forgiveness for sin, the things they've done, but also repentance, not doing that anymore. Their conscience is clean, and so they're free to go forward with boldness in truth. Whereas the opposite of that, the wicked flee when no one pursues. Um, The blessings of a clear conscience. A clear conscience is freedom. And the Lord brings brings us a clear conscience by forgiving us of our sin and bring us to repentance of sin, and we can be done with it. Um, verse 2, because of the transgression of a land, many are as princes, but by a um, uh, man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Because of the transgression of a land, many are as princes. Um, you know, a, a society uh, uh, can portray that it's got a, a deep, deep sin problem, by having a turnover of government leaders all the time. You know, one coup leads to this military person takes over and then there's somebody else challenging him and then it's just a mess. Um, uh, by the transgression of a land, many are its princes. Um, uh, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Um, 
you know, many are its princes. Um, let's go on. I'm going to get in trouble if I go any farther than that. Um, I'll just say this. You know, the U.S. is addicted to sin. Nothing's going to change, no matter who we elect, until uh, we deal with the sin problem. I don't care who you elect. I mean, I, you know, there's some, there's some good people running. I, I know who I'm going to vote for, I think. But nothing's going to change in the United States because the United States has a sin problem. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Um, you know, this, this kind of feels like the first one. Have you ever seen, um, it happens in third world countries a lot, you know, a, 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 a mob uprising puts somebody into power, and that person has come out of poverty, and now they're ruling, and they're just, they're worse, the poor are worse off than, than they were before. And, you know, it's just the demonstration of the wickedness of man, um, and uh, Solomon had a front row seat, I guess, on that in a few ways. So um, he tells us about it. Verse 4, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Now, okay, you go back to chapter 27, verse 21. A man is valued by what others say of him, and, and this is the flip side of this. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. Um you know, when, when wicked people are heralded as heroes, there's a very, very deep, deep problem. And unfortunately, our society is there. People who are very, very wicked, very immoral, are heralded as role models and, and obtain celebrity status. The more immoral, the more sensational you can be about it, the more money you make, the more, celebra- you know, the, the more endorsements you get. Um. But such as keep the law, contend with them. Those who live a godly life, want to follow the Lord, are going to be standing in their way, and are going to be a voice against that behavior. And, and you can know a person um, sometimes by who, you know, not only what it said back there, a man is valued by what others say of him, they can, you know, good things are said about him, but you can also know, and also know somebody by who's against them. And... Um, so, um, again, verse 4 um, is, I think, and we're coming down, there, again, there's a lot of Proverbs here in, in, in these that we're just coming on, the U.S. is coming on the wrong, coming down on the wrong side of. Uh, verse 5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Um, again, evil men do not understand justice. The idea is the justice system is corrupted. You've got people in there who are taking bribes, who are, uh, uh, who are supposed to be, you know, the, the immune system of a culture is the justice system, and they're supposed to be able to purge out the evil, identify it and get rid of it. It's like, you know, the, you're, you've got an immune system in your body. When your immune system can't identify what is evil and get rid of it, you've got a very short time left. And uh, when the justice system can no longer identify evil, and label it as, and, and get rid of it, then that culture is, uh, the, you know, the, the clock is ticking on that, on, that soul, on that society. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. It's better, be, better to be poor than a liar, is the idea there. Let's do this. Let's just go ahead and finish tonight. Um, we're at our time. It's okay if we don't make it through all chapter 28, right? Because the Proverbs are very, very valuable. We don't want to rush through them. And uh, so 
We'll take what has been uh, laid out for us by the Holy Spirit here in these couple of Proverbs, and we'll rejoice in it and ask the Lord to lay it to our hearts. So let's stand and uh, we'll pray and we'll go our way. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Uh, Lord, we, we do need wisdom, and your wisdom is light and truth, and we need light in our life. We thank you that you're in the business of light. Please install this into our hearts in a permanent way. Give us discernment and give us that boldness. Lead us to be your vessels in this dark age, this dark, this dark world. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Send us out now to be filled with your spirit and to obey you and glorify you in every circumstance. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen.